I am not sure exactly where our pastor is this morning. Does anybody know for sure? Whatever you say. (laughs) But I do know this. We need to pray for him. Will you bow with me? Thank you, Father, for those you have sent to us to lead us. We pray for these three men, their families, their ministry, their walk with you. We pray especially for Dr. Lambert. May he be able to take into his memory all that he sees and experiences and hears and bring him safe home. Grant, O Father, to the other two your continued blessings, support, leadership, and joy. Now as we look at your word, open it to our hearts, our minds, and to the living like Jesus Christ in our day. We pray for his glory, his church, and in his name. Amen. I invite you to turn to the New Testament reading of the day, this 11th chapter of Matthew. I hope that you will take a pew Bible if you do not have your Bible. I would like for you to have the Word of God open as we look at it together. Most of us have packed up Christmas decorations. In fact, we have moved into the third season of the Christian year Today is the day where Christians all over the world celebrate the baptism of Jesus. I hope you haven't packed Jesus up with the decorations. In fact, I think it's dangerous for us to take the babe of Bethlehem through the new year. We need to see him like the scriptures prevent. Presented. There's not a single person here this morning that does not have a composite plastic Jesus. You have collected a little here, a little there. You've interpreted God's Word for yourself. You've heard sermons. You've discussed in Sunday school classes. And you have taken all of this in your mind you formulated who you think Jesus is. Whether it's what the Scriptures teach or not, it doesn't matter. You've done that. I've done that. And to take that apart, cast away what's wrong, refashion it in the way it should be, 
is an activity longer than human life. So here we are. With concepts of Jesus that need to be tended to. Hear the word of God again. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. And the disciples said unto Jesus, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, You go and show John again these things which you do hear and see. And then he listed them for them. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. In this chapter, John the Baptist is pictured as a caged lion. The first century prophet roamed those hills and plains of Judea. He was the one that Malachi 400 years before had prophesied to come. And then God was silent for 400 years and the Jews did not receive a word, not one single word from God. I didn't do the exact figures of how old this nation is but we are nowhere near 400 years old. 400 years is a long time. God was silent. And then the lion roared. Out on those hills, this man who dressed real strange... The best description I know of is a 1960s hippie. <laughs> I don't know what his breath smelt like. He had a strange dot. But he was a lion roaring. And all of Judea and Galilee heard it. With unrelenting courage, he called for the repentance among the Jews, and he charged the religious leaders with hypocrisy. He confronted the people with their unfaithfulness. He was truly the voice. But now the lion was in a dungeon, and the roar had turned into a whimper. Herod had awarded John permanent residence in his jail. And there he languished. And his vision would give way to doubt. Had he understood correctly or was he wrong? 
had he made a fool out of himself and his calling, or did he have God's blessings? Had he been right about Jesus? And I ask you the same question this morning. Are you right about your understanding of Jesus? Who was Jesus? So three things on that blank page in your bulletin. Number one, John's question. Verse three. Are thou he that should come, or do we look for another? You may not have thought of this, but... If Jesus of Nazareth was not the Messiah, we should still be looking for him to come. But that takes too much spiritual and mental energy, so we'll just settle back and accept that he came. But I want to tear into that. I want you to look at your Jesus and see if he's the real Jesus. We have no right to make up stuff about Jesus. In fact, that's blasphemy. We have no right to just coast along and believe what other people have told us. That's lazy. We have no right to fashion him so that he meets our needs and our wants and becomes what we want him to be. We too must ask the question, Art thou he that should come, or should we expect another? In John's case, everything hinged on Jesus. You got it? Guess what? In my case, in your case, declaring ourselves to be believers, everything for us hangs on Jesus. If for no other reason, that's reason enough to get it right about Jesus. If John had been wrong about Jesus, much of his life would have been wasted. So would mine. I began preaching when I was 18. I'm 78. 60 years. John could endure prison if he could just be sure about Jesus. And I can finish and you can finish the journey of life if we are right about Jesus. But if we're wrong, where are we headed and where will we stop? John could stand it no longer, so he sent two of his disciples to Jesus. There's that question again. Are you... Who is to come? Or shall we look for another? John had good reason for asking that question. In announcing the coming of the Messiah, John had emphasized judgment. And we most of the time think of that too. He saw in the Messiah one who would come and move quickly to right the wrongs in the world. He, he stressed the Messiah's strength and power. 
In other words, the Messiah was going to slap people around. Jesus had not done any of those things. Are you listening? Quite the opposite. Now, John flowed along with the culture in believing when Messiah come, he would sift people out. I was interested when I first saw the billboard. Just love everybody. God will sort them out. We still think that, don't we? That's what we really think about God, that he won't put up with some of those folks. And that we, we're going to get past because we're his people. What makes us God's people when we get it right about Jesus? John stressed the Messiah's strength and power. We find some of his preaching in the third chapter of Matthew. But Jesus had not done any of that. He, in fact, had done the exact opposite of what John had preached that he would do and what John, more importantly, believed in his heart that Jesus would do. In one of Jesus' sermons, he had said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. You get it? Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. And later, he'd even said, you've heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. But I tell you, don't even resist an evil person. And love your enemies of all things. And pray for those who deliberately persecute you. That's just about the hardest human thing to do. That's hardly the rhetoric of one who came as a judge. Hence John's question, are you... He who is to come, or shall we look for another? In a sense, this question had been asked again and again, who is Jesus? They debated that. They were trying to put it together. Their hope had been in Moses, and those days had passed, and now their hope was in the Messiah who would come. We sing it too. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' righteousness. Is he really the one we have been looking for? Can he really solve the world's problems today? Is he really the answer for my life? I have a sense that even those who have the greatest faith approach death with some of these questions. I don't think they will be solidly answered until we see his face. Because we walk not by sight, but by faith. 
to the last breath. We have a way of making Jesus into what we want or what we think we need. Listen to this. A recent Gallup poll, which is still pretty valid, asked what Americans think about Jesus. And it yielded more than 20 major descriptions of who Jesus is. 20 major descriptions. How in the world will we survive as a culture when we tear Jesus apart? Christmas has come and gone. And we would do well to ask, who was that baby? Our Christmas Jesus, who was born 2,000 years ago, is he the real Jesus? If you could have been the third party, shepherds, wise men, and you, to go to the manger and look into it in the face of a baby, what would you see in your mind and in your heart? Well, that's a real question. What do you see? Now, the second point is Jesus' answer, verse 4 and 5. He didn't chasten John for his questioning. He gave a straight answer. He pointed to his actions as evidence of his messiahship. But it was these very actions that had given John trouble and that give you and me trouble. We hear of a crooked story. We hear of international intrigue. We hear of murder and rape and slavery we hear of all these terrible things, and the first thing we think is justice. But that's not the actions of the biblical Jesus. He didn't come to zap people. He came to save people. He didn't come to judge people. He came to bleed to death for him. And somehow, if we're really going to reach this community and this nation and this world for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to have to learn to bleed, not judge. John had been looking for a divine equalizer. But Jesus spread peace and forgiveness. John had expected Jesus to move on to Jerusalem, but he spent most of his time on Skid Row up in Galilee. Jesus' answer to John was something, I think, like this. This is what I am about. In spite of what you have expected, I've come to bring health and wholeness and flourishing. I've come to bind up what's broken and strengthen what is weak and forgive what is haughty. I have come to give hope to the hopeless. This is who I am. 
take it or leave it. I want to emphasize that. He is God. So we take him or leave him. I mean, you, you can't change him. You can't modify him. You can't hang around until he comes around to what you want him to be. Jesus will not conform to our expectations of him. He never has, he never will. He is immutable, he is God unchangeable. We must bring our expectations in line with him. And oh, how we have a lot of trimming and shoving and pushing and taking in and cutting loose of some things in our lives so that Jesus can be God in our minds and hearts. In the conforming, we must do it all, not Him. Wild distortions about Jesus have been perpetuated in our time in the name of Christianity. Half of the preaching on TV that I look at is a false gospel. And Paul said, if anybody preaches a false gospel, let him be cursed. But people send their money as the God of wealth, for example. He wants people to have everything they want. If they just ask for it and believe enough and invest enough seed money, they'll get it. And so they find one out of a million that it happened to and they bring him on or her own to give a testimony. But the other 999,999, we don't hear a word from And examples of a false gospel in our culture go on and on and on and on. And now in mainline denominations, a false gospel has been embraced. I pray God we steady the course. But who is Jesus Jesus told John, I am what I do. And by the way, I've said from this pulpit many times, don't tell me what you believe. Let me look at your calendar and your checkbook, and I'll know what you really believe. Because where we spend our time and where we spend our money is who we are. Wild distortions about Jesus. The very nature of his ministry was and is humble service. Jesus is the personification of God's mercy and grace and love. His kingdom is not of this world. It's nothing like this world. It is of peace and love and charity and respect and fellowship and acceptance and compassion, and giving. 
even life. Giving even life. The third point this morning is a footnote. Look at verse 6. It's been called the tenth beatitude. There are nine in the Sermon on the Mount. And the word and, the first word in that verse is very important. Jesus gave John's disciples the answer and said, take it back to him. But wait, and, and he added it to it. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. The word translated offended is the word we get scandal from. Blessed is he who can be scandalized for me. The idea is the person who does not find Jesus a stumbling block but finds the truth and the joy and the light and the life that always comes from a true discovery of the true Christ. Jesus nearly became a stumbling block to John. And Jesus sometimes is a stumbling block for me and you. John had been looking for Jesus from his childhood. He lived with the expectation that the Messiah would come. Even in his mother's womb when he was six months old, he recognized Jesus. And when he did come, John almost missed him because John laid on Jesus his own expectations, his composite Jesus that he had put together. For about 30 years. It doesn't take that long to put one together. If anybody should have recognized Jesus, it should have been John. And for a time it appeared that he did. But late in the game, when time was running out, and justice still had not been enforced, John asked, Are you he who is to come, or should we look for another? In conclusion, we are not to look for another. We ought to change our ideas about the one who came. He is the Messiah. He is God the Son. He is the Savior of the world. No one else is coming. He'll come again as we sang. But right now we have His first coming. And we are to be like Him. We ought to live like He lived. We ought to do like He did. We ought to think like He thinks. We ought to give like He gave. I don't make light of that. That is very, very difficult. And so many who profess to know Him live their whole lives and never get there. Can we really expect an occasional glance at a nativity scene to open our eyes to the real Jesus? 
Is it reasonable to think that our presence in the worship services Sunday after Sunday makes us like Jesus? Do we really deep down believe if we read our Bible every day and pray, we will know this Jesus? What makes us think that we're better than John the Baptist? Brothers and sisters, we must mark these days in which we live. To live like Jesus lived, which the world will call crazy. And look for his coming, the blessed hope that is ours. Too many of us are in spiritual neutral. Too many of us are satisfied with the first seat past the gate. Too many of us believe that we've taken care of our eternity. Now back to doing what we want to do. Too many of us believe what we believe as an accumulation of false doctrines because we have not straightened out our mind by the Word of God. So what do I suggest to you? I suggest that you get 200 blank sheets of paper and set down Every day. And start in Genesis 1-1. And read through the Word of God however many years it takes you. And on that sheet of paper, every time the Bible says something to you about Jesus, write down what it says. And when you get to the last verse in this Bible... You can take your 200 sheets of paper, front and back, and read them over and over again. And that's who Jesus is. Will you pray with me? Thank you, Father, for this day, this opportunity. Thank you for this place. And this gathering. Thank you for water and air. And friends and family. But most of all, we thank you for Jesus. Help us to get him straight and right in our minds and hearts. That we may be fully dedicated to the right one in the right way. To do the right things. Until you call us home. There are decisions that need to be made here this morning in our midst. May your spirit have free reign and way. And may people stand up and speak up. We pray this, Father, even in his name. Amen. Now hold on a minute.
five things. Number one, as we sing, there will be people here at the front, and you're invited to come and declare that you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and present yourself for believer's baptism. It's called a profession of faith. We call it joining the church. We need to, we need to correct people. It's not joining the church. It's declaring that Jesus is Lord. Church membership is just a benefit of that. Number two, there are people here who need to officially unite with this church. There may be several different ways but we're ready to help you walk through that. And so, if you need to be an official member of this church, today is the time to walk down the aisle. Number three, there are people here who know they need to come to this altar to put a holy seal on what God is doing in their life. And if you just say, okay, Lord, and sit there and go out, it'll be so easy for that to evaporate by Tuesday. So you come. You don't have to speak to anybody down here. You can kneel. You can do business with God. Number four, there may be some men and women here who God is calling in a different direction in their life to serve Him. Maybe some for full time in ministry missionaries, local church. Maybe you don't know at this time, but you just know. And you need to come and declare that to God's people, your church family, so that they can pray with you and for you in the days ahead. And number five, there may be reasons for you to come forward this morning that I don't even know about or never thought about. But you do, and you have the opportunity. Let's stand and let's sing, and you come.